Some media-born and digital agencies stalled or failed in the past few years, but some have really taken off. What are they doing right and how long can it all last? In this second episode of a three-part series, we'll hear from three professionals about what makes their agencies successful. Welcome to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, bringing you unique insights on the ever-changing world of local marketing from two of the industry's brightest analysts and forecasters, Corey Elliott and Gordon Burrell. Today's podcast is sponsored by Affinity X, the best and largest creator and executor of digital advertising solutions for leading ad agencies nationwide. And by the Media Audit, the most comprehensive local syndicated audience measurement in the country. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Gordon. Hello, everybody. I am one of your hosts, Corey Elliott, and with me, as always, the famous Gordon Burrell. Infamous. Thank you, Corey. I said famous, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Good to be here. We've come across what I think is a very interesting series. Yeah. I mean, the, our last episode, our first episode uh, in this series was really great. It was hearing from people who ran failed agencies, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Yeah. And great, uh, gauged by the number of downloads. I think we had record, record downloads for it. And lots of comments in social media when, uh, when the promotions were were posted for it. So we know there's really really high interest in this. Why do you think that is? Well, because everybody's been trying it, right? I mean, it's been 15, 20 years in the making, and and it's really important to understand what works and what doesn't. And I really appreciate those people who opened up about, you know, hey, th- this is what didn't work for us, and this is what happened. I think that's really, really important, and that's why it was so popular, I think. Yeah, you know, it is 20 years in the making. I can go into the Wayback Machine, and there are many other failures that follow a similar pattern of initial buy-in from the top, the family-run board of directors. (laughs) Right. You know, as we heard in all three cases in our last podcast, these failures include three more that I recall. The the, uh, Treehouse Digital in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was a startup by the Intelligencer newspaper that got shut down when a new publisher, who was the husband of one of the board members, took over the paper, and he just didn't believe in it. Then there were the uh, one of the, the forerunners of the digital agency idea, uh, an agency called Cyber Inc., at the Erie Times yeah. News. Okay. It, was, it was created in 2007 and run by the son of the newspaper, one of the newspaper's publishers, part of the Mead family, I believe. And it even had, as I recall, a neon sign in the feel of an artsy, smartsy, avant-garde office right there, Corey, inside the crusty old ink and newspaper smelling newspaper offices. Sure, sure. So, and then <laughs> if you go back to... Uh, Oh, there are four. There are four that I remember now. If you go back to 2005, NPR did a two-part series on uh, new media and featured the Lawrence Journal World, which NPR said was doing so well that it made Lawrence, Kansas, the convergence capital of the United States. The convergence capital? (laughs) Yes. I thought it was like the UFO sighting capital. No, no, that's someplace else. But Lawrence.com was doing some really dynamic things that didn't make it look like a newspaper at all. And it, too was a family-run business owned by the uh, Simons family. And if you go back even further, this is the 20-year reference, 21 years actually, to 2000, you might remember that Media General built this magnificent convergence center in Tampa for its newspaper, TV, and digital operations. And it had so many requests for media companies, media executives, you know, wanting to come and visit that I think it had a full-time tour guide. 
<laughs> with wow. I went and I remember visiting. So here we are, Corey, two decades later, where are we with all those great ideas? Well, you're, I think what I'm picking up from you is that you should just stay away from family, right? That, that's <laughs> what, you what want, You'll be part of the family business. Now, uh, so here, there's uh, a little exercise for you. Go to lawrence.com. Tell me what you find. It's still there. It's still there, but not quite the well-designed, fancy, hip, and entertainment site that this guy named Rob Curley kind of developed and got all kinds of awards for. Go to Tampa's Great Convergence site, tbo.com. Tell me what you find. It's an online platform for travel agents. Go to Cyber Inc. <laughs> it's, it's a parked domain right now. This is just sad. Go to Fusion Farm. You know, we, we featured that last week. It reverts to the Cedar Rapids Gazette site. Go to advocatedigital.com. Site not found. Okay. Oof. Enough of the failures. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's be positive. Let's be optimistic. Let's talk about the successes. So Absolutely. we've got three interviews this week, one with the manager of a large, successful digital agency born 10 years ago out of Hubbard Radio. Really cool. We feature them actually at some of our conferences. One with the guy who helped start an agency in 2013 in a very small rural market uh, associated with a newspaper in Tennessee. And the last, it's still still kicking, doing apparently pretty well and profitable. And the last one with uh, a guy who has a unique perspective. This is a guy who <laughs> helped form Advocate Digital Media. Remember that from last week, the one right. that collapsed? Right. Well, he took the playbook and went on to craft his own digital agency and offers a look back on the strengths and weaknesses of, uh, of that media-born agency and how he built his success on the knowledge to build his own little agency. So lots of stuff to talk about, some great interviews, and we'll get to them right after this. Affinity X is a trusted partner among leading digital marketing agencies. They can help you retain and grow your customer base with a complete product and service solution. Turn fixed costs into variable cost with a trusted outsourced partner. Scale your business with quicker turn times and flawless delivery, reduced costs and improved margins. Affinity X is unmatched in experience, solutions, and technology that drives results. They can help your agency thrive in the increasingly competitive digital marketing landscape. Visit them at AffinityX.com to learn more. Celebrating 50 years of experience, the Media Audit provides advertisers, agencies, and media companies with consumer insights in more than 80 markets. The Media Audit provides you with an edge in a highly competitive marketplace, helping you quantify customer trends by tying them to what's happening in your market. Learn more and schedule a demo. Visit TheMediaAudit.com. That's TheMediaAudit.com. Okay, I have with me Steve Goldstein from 2060 Digital, part of the uh, Hubbard Radio Organization. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gordon. Hello. Thank you for being here. I'm really eager to talk about 2060 Digital. So let's just start when it was born. Can you tell us a little bit about when the idea was envisioned and actually what the vision was? So the vision somewhere in 2011 and, and then officially launched in, in 2012, and it looked a whole lot different than it does today. Uh, back then, it was really just social media management, mobile site builds, and the philosophy was, and really still is, that we've got clients that need help with digital marketing and they already trust us and they like working with us. So if we introduce a product that they might need, they'll say yes. 
And so and this, back, this was just in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, this was just in Cincinnati. And, and back then, responsive sites weren't a thing. Social was just taking off. And people didn't really know. The clients didn't really know how to use it or understand it. And that was the low-hanging fruit. What's the organizational structure? Let's start with then and then and then go to now. Did it report into the GM of the Cincinnati uh, cluster? It actually broke off. Um, so the, the former GM of the Cincinnati cluster uh, broke off and became the president of, of 2060 Digital. And so they formally separated uh, the, the two companies into 2060 and then Hubbard Radio in Cincinnati. And had a separate P&L? Separate P&L, separate GMs. Mm-hmm. That was pretty radical, uh, I think, at the time. So let's fast forward to a couple of years. Uh, not long after that, it got replicated, as I understand it, in, in other Hubbard markets. Talk about that and what changed, if anything, in the structure. Yeah, so it was really interesting. Um, it all happened organically. So 2060 existed doing basically social media and mobile sites in Cincinnati. Well, at the same time, people like me in DC and my counterparts who were the digital sales managers, you know, some, it was more formal than others. Others were just, you know, GSMs who were handling digital. Uh, we started selling digital services, display advertising that wasn't on our O&O sites. And Gordon, I give you credit uh, because I came to LOAC in New York in, in 2013. I knew I had this, I had a general idea of what I wanted to create. I went to the event. It all gelled at the event. And then a year later, now we're talking 2014, we decided to formally apply the 2060 name to all these business units that had sprung up independently. And you, you can imagine seven, eight different markets doing everything differently. At that point, we tried to apply some organizational structure where we had a formal digital sales manager, digital strategist and started to install a, a sales system and uh, tr- start training the sales staff. So Hubbard's radio revenue was estimated last year to be around 300 million. Give us an idea of the size relatively of 2060 digital. Well, I'll, I'll give you a range and say about it's about 15 to 20% of radio revenues. Yep. So, and that's pretty typical for, for radio. Quick question. Do you ever envision a point at which maybe that operation, 2060 Digital, would be bigger than the cluster in that market? Our goal is that our audio divisions are maintaining and that digital continues to grow. I think digital will, will grow as a percentage of our total revenues eventually. Okay. So was there ever a point when things look tentative? So we go back to 2011, you first started, you go to a conference, you get starry-eyed about it, and you're moving out to other markets. But is there a point at which you said, wow, this might not work? No, not, not at all. Actually, just the opposite. We started offering some digital marketing options. And our clients were receptive. Sales teams started jumping on. We started seeing success and renewals. And you get those some salespeople that won't sell it until they see another salesperson actually has success and a happy client. Then more sellers jump on board. And, and next thing we know, we've got a thriving digital business. Now, to be sure, we, we stumbled some on structure. You know, it wasn't perfect. We had growing pains. We, we tried, I mentioned a, a one-size-fits-all approach where we installed our system into every market. And, and that didn't actually pan the way we wanted it to. But you know, we adjusted. And our revenue and profit has grown consistently every year. So let me be clear on the structure. What type of interaction does the radio staff, the sales staff, maybe even the PDs, uh, the general managers, et cetera, have with the 2060 entity in each market? So every general manager is responsible for their 2060 business and their radio business in their market. So that's you know that's on them and it rolls right down to the sales. So uh, every DOS is responsible for all sales in that market, radio sales, digital sales, really everything. And our philosophy is not to 
go into our clients uh, just selling one or the other. We really take an integrated approach to it. We try to just you know, talk to our clients about marketing, what's best for our client. Sometimes it's just radio. Sometimes it's just, just digital. And sometimes it's the perfect storm. We've got these amazing megaphones in our radio uh, products, and we've got amazing products on the digital side. We blend them together and uh, the client uses us because they trust us and it works out great. Let me ask you one last question about the ability of 2060 Digital to reach out to new clients, new to radio. So you know, what's the overlap with your current radio clients in each market? And are you, are you actually reaching new or non-radio clients in the markets where you have radio stations? Yeah, when we first started out, every 2060 client was an existing radio client because those are the people we went to first. And when we were done with that, we just, and we realized how well it was working, we started reaching out to clients. And what we found was we could get clients who weren't buying radio at all and only bought digital from us. So today uh, we have a mix. It's a, it's a healthy blend of clients who buy just radio from us, who buy just digital from us and buy some blend. And of course, we have our four markets where we only sell digital or 100% of our clients buy digital. Okay, so there's a view of a success at a large radio group operating agencies in large markets. Now, we're going to shift focus to a single rural market where we find a successful, profitable operation in Kingsport, Tennessee. I spoke with Kyle Ryrich, who was there when the agency was born from a small newspaper called the Greenville Sun, which is a 14,000 circ paper in Greenville, Tennessee. And it was also part of Jones Media, which at the time owned a handful of newspapers. The agency is now owned by Adams Publishing Group, which acquired all of Jones Media newspapers five years ago and agreed to keep the agency, even though it wasn't a newspaper. And it was set up in a separate city with a separate team and a separate P&L. So here's my interview with Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Gordon. There's a great story behind uh, High Road Digital when it got started. I was actually involved in it many years ago. Uh, you may recall I came out there and famously said you should just shut it down because you don't believe in it. Not you, but the owners of, of the company. And now here you guys are many years later, uh, surviving and doing really, really well. So first off, congratulations. But second, let's go way back um, and talk about when High Road Digital was born and what was the vision. High Road was conceived and launched as High Road Digital in 2013 uh, as a vision of Greg Jones, Jones Media. And I know, Gordon, you were very involved in that whole process. Uh, the vision was to grow revenue channels, assist sales reps with digital media sales, really to be an, uh, the digital extension of the newspaper legacy reps and the, with the goal of sustaining the legacy of a 150-year-old newspaper organization. Uh, we pivoted several years back from High Road Digital to High Road Agency, becoming a full-service, both traditional and digital marketing agency, predominantly focused on clients outside the newspaper. Uh, and then just, just three years ago or so, we were acquired by the Adams Publishing Group out of Minnesota. And another newspaper company. So the, the affiliation with, I guess it's the, uh, the Greenville paper, and that's a fairly small daily paper, right? Yes. Do you have any affiliation with them? That was the closest, I guess, Jones paper, now Adams newspaper. Any affiliation with them? Yes. Uh, we, we work with their sales reps uh, somewhat. Uh, we work with our, our local papers here in the, the Tennessee, North Carolina region, in Mount Airy and Boone and Dayton, all these very small markets. So we do have some affiliations still. With that. Well, what percentage of your business would you say would be serving the newspaper's clients or the newspaper itself? 
the amount of business that comes from our APG markets is still a fairly small portion of our revenue. I would say somewhere around 15 to 20%. Let's talk about how big the organization is uh, roughly in revenue and, and number of employees. Approximately one and a half million a year, and we have nine full-time employees at this mm-hmm. time. So t- tell us about your clients. Who are the typical clients that you have? Our clients are really, they fall into three main categories. Uh, we have direct clients uh, who we work with on a daily basis, whether it's a retainer situation or a project basis. Uh, we have clients who call us irregularly for a small print job and some that hand us their entire six-figure annual marketing budget. Uh, we work with several other agencies, so white label agencies who outsource portions of their fulfillment to us. Uh, this type of work is usually a niche digital product, a website development, or some non-traditional requests that just don't fit into a normal production capability sheet. And we don't like to say no when someone asks for something. Mm-hmm. And APG partners. So those are the regions and properties of Adams Publishing Group that utilize High Road as their internal support agency uh, in a variety of capacities. So we help with sales, strategy development, creative fulfillment, reporting. We're one of three agency-type platforms within APG markets that are available, uh, but we our internal use is growing. You've been there, Kyle, for since the inception of it with, at High Road Digital and now High Road Agency. And you heard the previous podcast where some other agencies failed. How come you guys didn't fail? What do you think was the secret sauce that you're still alive, still kicking, and apparently growing? I think the number one factor for our success was buy-in from the management and the ownership. Even with the ownership and leadership and management changes, they were very interested in seeing High Road successful. So they saw the vision. They did. And they saw the resource. They gave us the resources to make it work. The other thing is that we pivoted. Like I had mentioned, we started as Hyro Digital as a digital fulfillment arm for the newspapers. When that didn't get rolling quickly enough, we pivoted to become a local digital agency for other clients and then became traditional, uh, a traditional agency as well. And as you alluded in, in the end of the last podcast, we weren't even seeing the, the amount of traction we needed in the city in which we were founded. So we packed up and moved uh, 45 minutes down the road into a slightly larger market. Was that the only time that things maybe before you did that looked tentative or was there another period or do there, do there continue to be times where things look tentative and you go, oh, wow, this might not work? Yeah, we actually had discussion about shutting down operations in the later half of 2019. What are the plans at Adams with regard to uh, High Road? Is it wait and see or are there solid plans to expand the idea uh, move into other markets, you know, grow, et cetera. Uh, we have solid plans for growth. Uh, high road agency, like I had mentioned, with our corporate uh, focus, we have an advocate in the executive management. Uh, we're the preferred digital fulfillment solution for all the Adams properties, but not the exclusive solution. So we're able to compete against other providers, both uh, on divisional basis, regional basis. For some markets, we're their exclusive digital provider. Uh, For others, we fill in the gaps that their current provider is not able to handle for them. But I can say we're in the midst of a very steady and intentional scaling into additional markets. Our management is invested uh, in our success. The main challenge, I'll tell you, is education, uh, namely helping our markets understand what our capabilities are and thereby extension what their capabilities are. And the effective ways to discuss those capabilities with advertisers and build strategies. 
it's challenging because we have a sales force exceeding 400 people in 16 states and four time zones. So providing digital product and sales training efficiently is, is something our internal task forces are working on. Okay, let's go into the future machine here. 10 years from now, 2031, what does the High Road Agency look like? We want High Road to be the primary fulfillment agency and a primary revenue generator for Adams Publishing Group. We're not going to ignore our local clients or our white label opportunities. Those are still huge portions of our revenue. But we are aiming for regional expansion, ultimately placing High Road digital support reps in markets across the country. Uh, We're rolling out an intensive company-wide digital training platform uh, that will be used to onboard all of our new reps. We'll continue to stay on top of digital marketing trends and the new technologies and continue to grow our audience. Finally, I spoke with Jason Holmes at another small agency called Thrive Fuel. If you remember our first podcast interview with Dan Easton from the Victoria Advocate, you'll know part of the Thrive Fuel story. Jason was a key player in that newspaper's agency called Advocate Digital Media, but it collapsed. And after an ill-fated attempt by the newspaper to create a separate agency, Jason started Thrive Fuel. Here's my interview. Okay, I've got with me Jason Holmes. Jason, I go way back. Jason, I've been to Victoria, Texas, uh, and and you've invited me there. Thank you very much. But welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, it's great to be here. We're going to have to have you back down to Victoria sometime. I would love it. First, tell us about Thrive Fuel. Where are your offices? How many employees, types of clients, and a general idea of the billings and growth? Sure. So Thrive Fuel is, we, we established it uh, late 2018. We're right now at about nine employees with three to four open positions right now that we're actively recruiting for. Our headquarters are in Victoria, Texas, and we also uh, reach out into Corpus Christi and even Austin and that, that region a little bit. And so from a billing standpoint, I know you had Dan Easton on a week or so ago, and he talked about our previous agency, the Advocate Digital Media, and that had made it to about halfway to $5 million in billing. We're smaller than that. Since we're not attached to a media company, we don't have any owned and operated inventory that we sell, but but we're between one and two million right now. And we're expecting to grow that quite a bit here in 2021 as things open back up. Okay. So let's talk about that relationship. While it might pain you, tell me what you miss about running an agency attached with a media company like the Victoria Advocate. Are there real advantages and how valuable do you think they are in retrospect? There were a lot of advantages to starting out, say, 10 years ago. I think that the value that a daily newspaper in a market this size has was it was a lot more valuable. You would, you could open doors that you couldn't open over the last 10 years or so. I think that's really eroded. And having gone through that process, our team uh, learned a lot about opening and starting an agency inside of a media company. And that helped us really really open and start a new agency outside of a media company like that. We learned what we needed to do to really be independent from a mothership like that. Yeah, but just to to, to be clear, I, I know that you're really kind of happy that whole situation is is over and behind you because there were a lot of headaches with running it uh, with a company that didn't fully, I think as Dan said, didn't really fully get it and, and follow it. Yeah, so... The biggest, the biggest issues internally, and I think you'd have this at anywhere, is that as you start to use legacy services, so things like billing customers and, do, and HR and accounting, those types of services, 
naturally get inherited by the internal agency. We went through a process back in 2017 of jettisoning all of those services from ADM so that we could prove to all of the shareholders that we were profitable at the time. So we went out and actually, you know, we we hired an HR team, we hired an accounting team, we changed how we build customers and create and, and took ADM from being advocate digital media to affect digital media at the direction of the parent company. They believe that the brand was very important. Wanted to prove that we could do it outside of that brand. Didn't really miss a beat from a billing standpoint, and we were able to gain a lot of efficiency. So we learned that having an outsourced accounting team, an outsourced HR team that isn't tied to the media company actually helped us function as a better agency. And then when we launched Thrive Fuel, we were really just ready to go. We hit the ground running because we, we'd done it once before. Would you envision in 2031, Thrive Fuel is still around, of course. Would you envision your biggest competitor to be a local media entity, say the newspaper? I don't see that. I see it more as either other local brands or lo- local agencies that are also niching down mm-hmm. or na- nationwide or regional players who've picked the right or, or, or similar niches that Thrive Fuel has. Kind of backing up a little bit the history of this thing. The newspaper, of course, the newspaper company launched a digital agency inside the newspaper, totally inside. And we just don't run into those sellers. When we are up against another company, for let's say a website or a marketing program or really anything with a local business, we never hear that we're up against the newspaper or their digital agency. We'll hear that we're up against a digital agency from out of town, maybe a small agency in town or around the area. It's never it's never a local media company. Jason, thank you very much for your insights on this. It's been very helpful. And there they were, the three success stories and there are many more out there. But, uh, Gordon, I found some interesting things. I always say I use that word interesting again. But I found some things that were common in, in what they were saying. Okay. First of all, support. They had support from, from the higher-ups. Remember, we talked about family at the top of the podcast. But from, from the executive, from the C-suite, there's actual support. That They all mentioned that. And they mentioned something that I think is really, really important. Training. They emphasize training their people. Yeah, that that's really important. You know, I'm, I'm going to something right now. I just, just on the morning that we are recording this, did an assessment of the must-haves. Right. And here are, uh, I think, five of them, right? So okay. for an agency to survive within a local media company, it needs, number one, a very clear vision. Okay. Number two, a champion with communication skills. Number three, complete that's an italicized word, by the way. Complete buy-in from the CEO slash yes. owner. Yes. Ability to sustain losses up to three years and measurable goals to serve two masters. And by two masters, I mean the core product and its clients and then completely new set of clients. What do you think about those? I don't know, because all these guys who are saying, uh, and even the, the ones from the last podcast were saying, yeah, not serving two masters. It's got to be separate. So I don't know about that last one. Well, I think the opinion is still out on that. And I think it depends on your perspective. There are people who just say, love having this agency. It has to be separate. It's the only way it can grow. And it might just be a factor of how much of a, a 
bitch it is to deal with those curmudgeon TV or newspaper or radio people at your company, if that's what you have. You heard in the right. case of Hubbard, you know, that's not what they have. They've done a great job of training them. Like you said, training is important. Right. And then in our next podcast, we really get into the the whys, what this exact topic of what makes these things work? What are the commonalities? So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's better than that. We're not only getting into the whys, but I think the future, we're going to get you to pull out your crystal ball again. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and say, what is the future of digital agencies in 3031? 20, 3031, Jesus. 2031, right. what do they look like? I have a vision. It is pretty bold and dynamic. Don't know if it'll come true, but it's going to sound good. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, it's, you know, it's based on where the lines are headed. What do these agencies look like? I think you're going to be really surprised at that vision. So we'll save that to the next podcast. Fair enough. Okay. So until next time, Corey, thank you. And uh, thank everybody. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, sponsored by Affinity X and the Media Audit. If you have submissions or ideas for future shows, or if you'd like to be a guest, email the hosts at podcast at Thanks for listening. And remember, market well.